When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Back out to smart. Fakes the pass all the time. Three. Bang! It's William Strange. Bobs it up. Robert Williams! Should he go? Taylor Brown. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Celtics Reddit Podcast. I'm your host, Celtics J, and I'm joined today, as I often am, by the man who stands for Aaron Neesmith, the man who puts the wonder in white bread, the OC posting OG, Wayne Spoony Spoons. How you feeling, brother? I'm doing great, Jay. I, I try to tell people, man, it's the lighting. I'm not actually this white, okay? <laughs> it's just it's just the spotlight I got on me. I'm doing good. Kind of a bittersweet weekend. You know, play great against the Jazz and lose, and then play great against Portland and win like three times over. So all in all, if you told me we were going to go one and one going into that weekend, I probably would have been okay with it. Yeah, well, you know, we've typically, right, like each year – the fan base usually leans into the idea that you got to wait at least 20 games to kind of get a read on where we're at, what kind of team we're actually working with here. Taking a look at the standings right now, we're sitting tied for eighth, tied with Charlotte, but it's a mess in the East right now where everyone's kind of clumped up together. There's not a whole lot of separation, save for maybe the top four teams right now, Brooklyn, Chicago, Milwaukee, Washington, surprisingly, but even even those at the top, it's not that much distance right now. Um, so, spoons, what are what are your thoughts on on where we're at? How are you feeling? Are you are you? I know you just dropped some some stuff in 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 the subs, so you were talking a little bit about what your expectations are for moving forward. What how are you feeling right now in this moment, based on what we've seen and what we know? So, uh, I think, like you said, I, I just wrote a post that was about how if the defense is real, our offense doesn't even really have to be that good and we're going to win a shitload of games. And if you go back basically every season, if you've got a top five defense and as long as you're not like last in offense, you're flirting with 50 wins. I think in the last three years, the worst record was the Knicks last year and they were on a 47 win pace and they had the 23rd best or 24th best offense, which is like, Really dog shit, uh, which were was where we were at before last night, these last two games. Now we're up to 16th. So uh, I am optimistic. I think I think the defense is real. I believe in the personnel. I think the scheme is really grown on me now that we're not switching a billion everything's every possession and we're getting all sorts of weird cross matchups. So now that we've toned the switching down, we got a ton of great defenders on this team. 
And I think offensively, like the shots got to eventually fall, right? Like Tatum has been, when Tatum plays good, we tend to win. Uh, Go figure. And he just hasn't been playing very good recently. So we've lost quite a bit. But if you look outside of that two and five stretch, I think we're something like 12 and or uh, 11 and six or, or something like that. 11 and seven. Yeah, I think it's 11 and six outside of that opening two and five stretch when we had a new coach, uh, a lot of new players in the rotation. So I think we are better than we look. And then if you look at the standings, I don't think Washington's quite as good as their record. Miami just lost BAM for over a month. And they ha- now Dwayne Dedman is their starting center right now. You know, like they do not have depth. Yo, ease up because there was a time. <laughs> ease up because there was a time. And I'm, I'm coming out and saying it because I got no shame as, as, as a Celtics fan, as a basketball enthusiast. I got no shame. And there was a time where I was so desperately hoping that Deadman would get signed by us and become our starting center. So, like, secretly in my heart, I'm almost kind of rooting for dude. Like, hey, go show out, you know, like, go play, like, make me feel right inside of my soul. No one else knows about it until now. So if he plays really well, everybody out there in the fandom worlds, just know I called it. Now, yes, literally several handfuls of people now know after they listen to this. Uh, Deadman's fine. I thought he was out of the league and terrible, terrible, but he, he's been okay for them. I don't think he can start. I don't think he's a great starter. So uh, I would say I absolutely land on this sort of more recent version of the Celtics is really who we are. I think we're better than 13 and 11. I think we're, I think we'll settle into that four seed by the end of the year. What about you, Jay? So my feelings are complicated. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm I'm a complicated cat. Um, I on one hand I want to agree with you, and and you make good points, and I don't think any of the points that you're bringing up are are not valid. But at the same time, we haven't seen what this team can. Be. We're, we're running into a lot of the same problems we've been running into for a couple of seasons now. We're yeah. we're doing a little bit better health wise. Like it's not a severe injury, you know. Uh, happenings that's going on but we're right. still we're it's very rare that we've got a full squad we had no romeo last night um you know no horford no jalen and like this is just becoming the way that it is now and it's just really frustrating because you're never gonna be able to avoid you know any injuries it's gonna right. happen especially with with folks playing at the level that that these guys are playing at at the, at the professional nba level but it's still, it makes it hard to know what we've got here because on one hand, we're not really seeing the Jays take their duo, like that dynamic duo combination to a, to another level yet. We're just not right. seeing it. We're kind of seeing it with some other players on the team where you're seeing that chemistry really develop. I think we're seeing that chemistry with, with Marcus Smart and Rob Williams. I think we're even seeing some of that chemistry with Marcus Smart and Dennis Schroeder. Um, yeah. And there might be some opportunities to talk a little bit more about that in depth, um, if not in this episode, then in some episodes to come. But it's it's frustrating for me to not see that chemistry between the Jays. And I think it's hard to say that it's because it's not there or it's not organically available they haven't been physically available to play together right. all yeah. that much to figure this thing out, especially as the team is kind of galvanized around this defense and, and started kind of working more fluidly with the offense. So I'm frustrated and I'm confused. I don't know what this team is. I don't know what this team is going to be. I don't understand what they're trying to position themselves for this season. It's hard to get a bead other than just 
Idoka getting established, right? And and Brad scanning the field and in the meantime just trying to be as competitive as possible. And if that's if that's what we're doing, I think we're doing a good job of that. But I, I don't know that I'm feeling like this team is primed to excel or exceed any expectations right now. I'm still seeing the same frustrating inconsistency that I've gotten used to the last couple of years. Yeah, I, I think that's totally fair. Um, and I do think you kind of hit the nail on the head. This is a weird season, especially like the roster is constructed in a way where it's not really obvious where we go next, other than we kind of have these like bloated contracts that are tradable. But what if there's nobody to trade for? We're just going to roll Jay Rich and Horford back out there next year. Like, uh, that's fine. I mean, they're both playing great, but. Uh, yeah, I, I think the path to the championship is maybe a little more cloudy than we were hoping, uh, like at the start of 2019, uh, when we just signed Kemba and the Jays were primed for a huge explosion and jump. I, I do think that we've kind of gone astray from that somewhat, but all in all, I think they're going to be a pretty damn good team. And I just don't think we can have another season like last year where you know you're 500 you're relying on rookies who just don't have it night in and night out and you know they started Pritchard and Neesmith played fine for the position they were in but there just wasn't enough depth for how how many injuries there were and yet Jalen not being 100% for basically a month now is terrifying I mean he looked bad when he came back like should not be playing bad so who the hell knows what's going to happen with him very worrisome yeah if this is like a long-term chronic thing it that just changes it's fundamentally changes the celtics future like it really does it's like franchise altering yeah and i mean it's it's been at this point right because it's right uh, and and it in that it's it's been sorry saying it's been it's like i'm blaming mr vallis and i'm I'm not it's not his fault it is well you were one of the down voters (laughs) that's right right. (laughs) i am not a bot i i always click the box to demonstrate that i'm not a bot um (laughs) so just just to keep us kind of moving because this is actually i'm it's making me want to talk about something but i know that we're going to talk about it in a second here so i want to actually um introduce the 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 part of this conversation where I had, I'd asked you to kind of take a look in the sub and identify some comments that would be ideal talking points, like things that that you wanted to be able to kind of unpack a little bit and go back and forth on. So let's uh, let's dive right into that. What, what did you find out there? So this is a comment, and I think this encapsulates. I have three comments. One's a primary comment, and then there's two responses to it that I think capture. I think where we're going here is the Dennis Schroeder roller coaster. Uh, so, and, and really, like the diverse opinions on him in the fan base. This is from the post game thread after the Jazz loss, and user Brad Stevens. Um, says, I cannot do Dennis Schroeder in crunch time anymore. I can't remember the last Celtics player to continue to kill us in crunch time over and over again on both ends. Just a bad decision maker, all-time shot performance, making performance by the Jazz, blah, 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 blah. And then there's a response. I'm the King Sama. He really is the definition of a roller coaster, which makes a really solid bench guy, but you can't rely on him during crunch time. Celtics need one more reliable guy because double bigs won't be able to close a lot of the times. And then finally, Genius Baby responds, 
What did he even do wrong? He was there to contest the Donovan three that swung the Jazz momentum. The next play, he tried to get better leverage on Don, who used that to race by him. What he's really saying is he got backdoor cut and looked foolish and got totally beat. So I think that's a little rosy to say. But and get and get open going to the basket. How mad can you be at a guy for not containing one of the most dynamic players in the league? So that is like bad Schroeder. Hey, he is bad sometimes. Sometimes he's good. It's probably worth it. And then no, he's just good. Like where are we with this guy? Because at this point, I agree. He was horrible in crunch time against the Jazz. Throwing it all over the gym, taking bad ISO step backs like he was doing a Tatum impression, <laughs> and getting roasted, on, like roasted, roasted on defense. Like every time they just went at him and got a bucket. So where are you at with Schroeder? I know you've had much of a love-hate with him as anybody. Like I said, this season, it's been complicated and confusing. And ultimately, I'm biased because of my unadulterated <laughs> fandom for Marcus Smart. And anything that great. takes away from his swag is going <laughs> to fall within the uh, parameters of, of me criticizing. That being said... Here's the thing about this season and last season, which you kind of alluded to earlier, which was with Jalen Brown out, there just was nothing. There was no one else. Right. And right. and we were left very vacant. And Marcus Smart stepped up a little bit in the playoffs and showed us that he could produce and perform at a, at a bit of a higher level than – or at least as high of a level as we've gotten familiar with him in those clutch situations. But it's not enough without that primary second – shot getter creator right and we've seen so far this year that with brown being out a significant amount of time so far this season having dennis schroeder has been the difference maker now for Mm -hmm. for every couple of games where he does his over dribble routine and passes to everyone except the celtics he's got a string of games where he's getting 20 to 30 and he's a big reason why we're either staying in a game and being competitive or inevitably winning, winning said game. Yeah. And I think he's win- helping us win more games than he's helping us lose. And so I'm kind of, I'm, you know, I know a little bit ago I was on a very different tick, but watching a bit more closely, you know, the other thing is, you know, he's so damn aggressive on defense, which plays well into what this team is doing. He plays yeah. above his size, so he's kind of got some Marcus Smart tenacity. He can't quite play as big as Marcus, but he's long enough that he's not getting totally outmatched by bigger guards or smaller forwards. So as far as Schroeder goes, I'm not I'm not hating on him anymore. I, I think I'm I'm on board with what Schroeder is, what he can produce, what he can provide for this squad. What I'm wondering at this point, though, is, is Schroeder, is he raised his trade value enough now that he is certainly going to get traded by the deadline for pieces or assets? Or has he demonstrated to this point that we need to do whatever we can to keep him? What are your thoughts? So... Yeah, it is kind of like this weird catch-22 where it's like if he's playing really good, it probably makes sense to trade him because then we can get legit assets for him. And there's really like no way we can bring him back unless he wants to take, you know, like nine, ten million a year, which is like not bad. Maybe he will, but my guess is he will not. But then also, you know, we're playing pretty well recently. We're like fourth in – or sixth in net rating in the last like month and a half or something like that's a legit team. 
And Schroeder, like you've said, man, he's been a big part of that, especially without Jalen. Um, so I would say I'd probably lean towards keep him unless you get like totally blown away by an offer at the trade deadline, just because I think we're going to be pretty good. I think we are pretty good. And I think you got to show the Jays like, you know, we're committed to winning with you. We're not just going to get rid of guys who are playing great for, you know, nebulous future assets. Um, and I think we got to show that this is a team on the rise if we do want to strike in next offseason. And we're not just like, you know, what star is going to want to ask out to come to Boston if we're a 500 team, right? Well, if we're a 50 win team that takes Milwaukee to six or seven in the second round, maybe you're a star saying, you know, I could turn, you know, I could be the final piece for that team. You know, if we're losing in five to the Nets, nobody's <laughs> probably thinking that, right? So I probably lean towards keeping Schroeder. See, I think you've got to get rid of the guy. I think you've got to get rid of him. <laughs> shocked. <laughs> really, I, I'm shocked. <laughs> listen, I've given, I've, I've accepted the fact that my my initial sort of knee jerk reactions to to what I was seeing from Dennis Schroeder were were not fully thought out, and I I have adjusted my perspective. But at the same time, I think one of the biggest sort of challenges this team has had over the last several seasons is pulling the trigger on deals when when the time is right like the mid-level deals right yeah yeah. like not the yeah yeah and and so at this point i think we've seen from brad that he's willing and able to pull the trigger and make deals right in the moment when they make sense to make them like that horford deal that could have got strung along for a while didn't no just made it happen boom 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 done like before last season even ended the man's crazy right well, I didn't even know you could do that. I'm saying, <laughs> you know, sign, you know, the way that he signed Smart and and Robert Williams, I think, you know, we're seeing a Brad that he is he's going to be opportunistic in a way that I think even Danny Ainge wasn't. I think Danny Ainge at a certain point almost he almost would like overthink himself out of out of situations or would get so wrapped up in and maybe trying to navigate that trade market so cleverly that he would almost like talk himself out of deals and maybe not talk like himself out of the deal, but talk himself out of the deal by talking, you know, the other GMs off away from the table. Right. So I think this guy is going out there and putting up twenties, thirties. He's, he is passing the ball. He's demonstrating a commitment to team basketball. He's actually, I've seen that chemistry between him and smart improve dramatically both on the offensive and defensive end i think they're finding a way to coexist out there especially when brown's not in the lineup Mm -hmm. i'm thinking you got to capitalize on this going really well right now and you got to get whatever you can get um now where i fall as far as like do i want picks do i want like a player i'm not i'm not the biggest fan at this point of picks like you know we don't have the luxury of being able to just like work through a lot of youth growing pains. So I'd like to see an impact player, but just at a different position. So you look out there and you see what teams need a lead guard and have a couple, you know, a couple too many bigs. Right. So I don't know exactly what's out there right now. And, and so I'll get flack because I don't have like any concrete sort of moves to make that'll like make a big difference. But I think you got to trade guy. You got to get what value you can. He's looking to be a bigger 
role player on a squad. Unless, like you said, he's having some conversations like, hey, this is just this is the place for me. This is the dynamic for me. Uh, whatever we can work out contract wise, let's work it out because I want to be here and be a part of the squad. Like that's that's all gravy. Um, and then maybe in that case, you end up going down the road that I'd be even less inclined to be excited about, which is you trade smart. Right. So I, I don't know how you trade smart with the way he's playing, man. He's been awesome. But again, you know, because we've run into this issue in the past too, right? Like, because when folks are playing at this level, you've got to capitalize when, yeah, on that momentum. Right. Like that's when the value's high. So you've got to make a judgment decision. Is this, is this the, the level that we need this guy at to win the championship? Or is this the level we need this guy at to get the player that's going to help us win a championship? Yeah, and I would love point. that player to be Marcus Smart to help us get a champion. I want that. That's the narrative I'm I'm subscribed <laughs> to. So I'm saying, hey, ship, ship Schroeder out and get whatever you can get. Um, especially because you just see Smart with the chemistry he's got with these other players and how like, I mean, the alley-oops to, to Rob Williams, that alone. So uh, yeah. I'll keep Smart for that on its own. That's it. That's all I need. <laughs> just give me heavy doses. Um, but let's uh, let's shift to to your next uh, your next quote that you found in the sub there. What do you got? Alrighty, so our guy, I think we've we've used some of his posts in the past. That's um, user Red Cigar, which is one of my favorite usernames. Shout out Red Cigar. It's a post. Defense is good. We need more pace in scoring and transition and cutting less isolation in parentheses still. Uh, and he, what he basically lays lays out, I'm sorry, my cat is literally attacking right now. She has a mouthful of my arm. You need to go, cat. Go, go. Shoot. Listen, uh, when when I'm at work, I'm literally teaching people how to disengage from bites. So here, here's what we're going to do. First, we're going to start with a hold stabilize technique, and then we're going to utilize movement in opposite directions to take advantage of a pull push biomechanical benefit here. Okay, so, so just, just we're going to go through this step by step, and everyone's going to be okay. Thank you, Jay. Much appreciated. All right, she's gone. We're good. I have pull pushed. We're ready to go. So use a red cigars post. Basically, he lays out we're great on defense we're even doing pretty well in net rating we're rebounding the hell out of the ball but we're still having trouble scoring and his big complaints are we're isoing second most often and we're the 22nd most efficient team and we're we're cutting 12th in frequency which is pretty good but we're fourth in points per uh possession in cutting um efficiency so like we're super good when we cut and we do it kind of a lot but not nearly enough so i think this is stuff that folks have been talking about like this is the type of conversations about the offense we've had a lot um everyone is really talks about too many isos but this post just really good job of breaking it down and showing you the numbers and i'll add that it kind of felt like we made steps in the right direction this weekend. Like, do you feel like there was a little bit of a change um, these last two games? I mean, Portland, the Portland game, like we just hit fucking everything, which helps. But I did feel like we were moving the ball and cutting. And like there was a lot of possessions where all five guys touched it, which happened like one time last season, maybe you know? <laughs> like that never happened last year. So do you feel like there's this kind of change, Jay, or do you think it's, uh, you know, the shots are just falling a little bit more? So for better, for worse, I was traveling during the jazz game. So I missed, I missed all that. Um, I was, I was on a flight being all uncomfortable. Shout out American airlines and your horrible ass seating. 
Like, how does every other airline know how to make a comfortable ass plane except for y'all? I don't know. But I digress. <clears throat> anyway, so I didn't get to catch everything that was uh, happening for that jazz game, but I, I caught every minute of this. Well, no, not every minute. I didn't catch like the last four minutes of the Portland game. Well, you didn't. My, really my stream to, crashed right? out. So I missed like uh, the, the the Pritchard Christmas session. Um, that was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Where he just started like rain and stuff. But what I've seen even over, I think, the last handful of weeks here is a team that is making a clear effort to move the ball and to find each other. And there's a couple yeah. of players that are doing that better than others. I'm liking what I'm seeing from Tatum. I think we're seeing a continued progression. I think some games it goes better than others. But yeah. what I'm seeing, regardless of sort of how the numbers play out, like I'm not even concerned with how many assists he ultimately gets. Uh, I know everyone got excited about the 10 assists the other game, but it's more for me like the the like – how determined and focused is he seeming in those decisions that he's making? Is he making decisions because he's getting like caught and he's having to make a quick decision or Mm -hmm. is he making a move and a quick decision that's clearly like aligned with them? Like, is he dictating what's happening out there? I think the biggest frustration for me early on is we've been touting this young guy as this upcoming superstar and this elite top five echelon player. And we haven't seen him dictate the, the game, the way that we see players at that level dictate the game. In this Portland game, that first quarter, that's the Tatum I saw. Yeah, like he dude. <laughs> he, was, he was doing ex- like he. I'm, it, it was like watching any of those other like top players, whether it's it's yeah. LeBron, Harden, KD, whoever. Like he was just going out there, he was doing whatever he wanted, and the shot was looking good. And it wasn't even just that it's going in right, like because. It just his whole rhythm just looks different when he's in that that mode and he's just locked in like yep. that. Second quarter, I don't know what happened, but someone needs to do some investigative like journalism and find out what happened between that first and second quarter. Cause in the first quarter, I was I was talking in our chat about this, right? In the first quarter, something happened in that first like forty five seconds, and Schroeder just starts screaming at Tatum. I don't yeah. know what the hell he was yelling at him about, and it didn't seem like it was like totally like malicious or like you know super ill intended or whatever. But he was like he was yelling at him, yeah. And all of a sudden, Tatum just went bonkers <laughs> and, and just started making everyone in Portland wish they they weren't there at that time but then R- something wish Schroeder kept his voice down I'm saying <laughs> and then something happened in that second quarter everyone went to sleep like everyone just went and took a nap I don't I someone's got to find out whatever that was because then they came back in the third quarter and I don't know if like Schroeder yelled at Tatum again at halftime or what <laughs> Probably. But I'm trying to find out, like, is there a phone number I can call so so Schroeder can yell at me some? Because I'm trying to I'm trying to improve my, you know, like I like I need the juice, Dennis. That the man's he's got something. And listen, so if he if he's got some kind of mojo where where he's yelling at folks and then they're just becoming like, you know, God level players, then maybe we do need to keep Schroeder. Maybe I'm wrong again. And I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. But listen, if, I, if that's how dudes play, when Schroeder gets met, Schroeder, listen, I've been saying some some mean stuff. Get mad at me. I, I more, Come yeah. on the show. <laughs> Please. Yell at Jay. We'll <laughs> let you as long as you want. I, I think, dude, totally, fuck, totally spot on about Tatum. Like, it was like he made the pass or the play as the defense reacted instead of after they reacted. I Like, this is exactly what you're – that is exactly how I felt. Like, it just – 
felt different watching him. I'll tell you what happened in that second quarter. Wancho Hernan Gomez <laughs> happened in that second quarter. He was a minus 18 in six minutes or something <laughs> crazy. Or four minutes. Like, wow. He literally passed the ball to the other team, turned to get back on defense, and just fell flat on his face like he was a Looney Tunes character. Like that. It's ridiculous. Ms. I mean, mess. he was so bad. And that just like, that just un- submarine the whole quarter. Then we played our actual regular basketball players in the third and it was over. So I think wa- the, the <laughs> watch show minutes had a big part of that. But um, I'll, I'll move on here just so we can keep it moving here to my Wancho last comment. Iceman Hernan Gomez. <laughs> He's the cooler. Because it looks like he's running he's, on ice. He, who, who was it? William H. Macy, who was the cooler? Wasn't that a, the uh, the movie? He would go to the he'd go to the card table if, if someone was like hitting all the time oh, at the yeah, casino. Yeah, 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 yeah. God, yeah. Wancho. <laughs> yeah. Let me find cool. out him and William H. Macy be hanging out like in mystery, man. Yeah. Let me f- He's like the opposite, was it uh Vinny Johnson was the microwave? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wancho is the cooler. Anyway, all right. <laughs> what do you got? So this is <laughs> – if you can't tell, I looked up most of these after the Jazz game. So this one is from the post-game thread of the Jazz again. Um, and it's sort of a broader discussion about Coach Udoka here. And the user, the shark from Nemo, says, For the people complaining about Rob being pulled, we needed a stretch five on the court to keep Gobert away from the rim and open up the driving lanes. They were staggered throughout the game, and it was working. It was smart coaching by Ime. The Jazz just made tough shot after tough shot. And I think there's some truth to that, though. I take a lot of issue with running out double bigs to start against Utah just because, like, what is the point, man? Like, if you have Rob out there with Horford, they're just going to – Gobert's just going to cover Rob and just leave him and basically play zone defense at the rim. And they got out to this huge lead, and it just doesn't work, man. And at some point, like, Double Bigs has been great defensively. It's been terrible offensively. It's been a positive lineup. But we have a guy out there on the team who's been playing great defense and making basically every three he takes. Here it comes. That sounds like an awful good fit for the starting lineup. And I'm actually not talking about Aaron Neesmith. I'm talking about Grant Williams, man. Like Skinny Grant. All of these, yes, yeah, Skinny Grant. Like all of these problems about the fit being awkward offensively, or well, we can't play Pritchard. He can't play defense. Like those don't exist with Grant. And he's actually kind of rebounding pretty good. And Tatum's been a fucking monster on the glass. So I'm not even worried about the rebounding. Like. I think Grant's just got to play more, man. Like, are you seeing the same thing that I'm seeing? I am. You know what I'm also seeing is uh, he's he's dedicated to setting strong screens, which I'm liking yeah. to see. He's he's obviously hitting his shot. I also like that he's starting to attack closeouts because now teams are closing out harder on him, and he's attacking yep. those closeouts. He clearly hasn't really mastered that mid range or like that kind of floater that he's he's playing with a little bit, but. He's clearly working on it, and I think if he keeps working on that, it's he's going to end up being lethal because he doesn't have that above-the-rim athleticism right, that, that a lot of other players have. So it's like when he attacks that closeout, it's not like he's going he's gonna to get up there and contest at the rim. So I think that little floater that he's working on is going to be real essential to him being able to kind of take that next step and, and be able to be a reliable offensive 
threat more than just a spot up shooter in the corner. And if he does that, this man's got a 10 year plus career ahead of him, you know, whether it's yeah. starter or, or key guy coming off the bench, like he's going to be legit. Um, I, I, I've been liking Grant. I, I also like the fact that he's boxing out, uh, you know, he might not get as many of the rebounds, but some of those rebounds that other cats are getting are because Grant's in there putting his hips on folks and getting them the hell out of the way. Um, yep. he, his body's all over the place when he's on the court, but like it, he's also under control, which is, you know, again, it's, it's nice. He's, he's looking really poised out there. I'm just I'm loving the poise. Um, I last night during the game, one of my favorite plays was, uh, you know, him getting it out on the perimeter, attacking that closeout, and he just did so so deliberately and with patience. And then he got into the paint, and he didn't overcommit to getting to the rim. He just floated it right up. I'm forgetting right off the top of my head because I feel like there was one that he he missed, and I was like, man, even though he missed that, I just really like that play. I was like, because if, if that's if that's something that he's working on and he gets that in his bag, ooh, Grant, yeah, man. he's looking he shiny. Pass. He's looking he real pass shiny. a little bit. Yeah, yep. for sure. Yep. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm with you, man. I'm on the, the Grant train. I like the idea of him maybe sliding into that four spot because he's, he's a little bit better of a fit just in general. I like what you're saying as far as like putting a little bit more balance, especially on that offensive end. I mean, Horford's shot seems to be coming a little bit more into form now. We've seen him. Uh, but now he's also out. So, you know, is he going to come back and have to like get it back again? I don't, you know, I don't know. We're going to have to see. Um, we didn't see enough of the good shooting to know if like the the it's bad really streak bad. is over or if he just yeah. had a couple of good games. So we'll see. Hopefully we are seeing more of the, the Horford we know and love from the perimeter coming back over those uh, last couple of games. But yeah, I'm I'm about Grant. I'm, I like the idea of him starting. I like the idea of that also putting Rob and Al in a situation where they're more splitting those minutes at center with one another, um, and just taking a little bit, I think a little bit of the workload off both of them, because uh, they both need to be managed a little bit. You know, I, I think Rob's done a nice job of playing a little bit more under control than he has in the past, and so I think we're seeing a more reserved and disciplined, but ultimately more effective. Rob Williams. Um, but he, they both seem to pair really well with Grant. Like Grant doesn't seem to make either one of them worse. And I mean, exactly. I know you take, you take a, a little bit more time to look at some of those advanced numbers than I do. So you tell me if I'm off base, but he seems to be a guy that doesn't really interfere with anyone else's game. No, I think that's spot on. So the big, big starting lineup has been great per net rating. Uh, mainly because defensively it's a monster. It also it can't score though. But they have a twenty one point five net rating. Great, awesome. You put Grant Williams in there instead of Al Horford. It jumps to thirty five point three. And only it's only twenty two minutes together because Jalen's been hurt. But that's legit, man. <laughs> that's really really legit. Uh, and I just think that the way he's been playing. He doesn't do those things that take stuff off the table anymore. You know what I mean? Like last year, maybe he'd make a three and then he'd go do something boneheaded on defense or like throw the ball away the next possession. We're getting like all the good stuff and the solid Grant Williams without any of the dumb crap he was doing last year. So I think there's going to be he is making a damn compelling case to be a starter. And I will say I did not expect that to be the case two months ago. But uh, I just like to see what it looks like for an extended period of time, because, man, he really opens it up for Tatum 
uh, and Brown when he comes back and for Smart and Schroeder too. So uh, on a team desperate for shooting, Grant's shooting like 70% from three. I mean, I feel like he's got to play. <laughs> Three-point contest participant uh, coming up, right? Let's, let's get yeah, him in. Right. Let's, let's get him in. Get, put him in, baby. And, and I like the idea of him getting a shot in that starting lineup when Jalen's back too. Because I think when you've yeah. got Schroeder and Smart in that starting lineup and then you've got Al and Rob, with Al not shooting typical Al Horford, from from the perimeter it really i mean yeah there, there's tatum's the only shooter then and that's just that's not okay that's not enough Jalen yeah, comes back yeah. and i mean that's that's a, that's at least one other elite player that can that can score from outside and really i mean he's a three-level scorer he can score from just about anywhere so you put him in that lineup and then you also add grant and you go from having only one legitimate shooter to three legitimate shooters in that starting lineup. And then you got Marcus smart, who's kind of like your Jack of all trades there. And then you got Rob, who's that elite, you know, vertical threat. You get a little bit more balance in that lineup, at least in theory, right? At least in theory, hopefully, well, hopefully he may seeing stuff that, that he is, you know, going to be able to keep taking advantage of even after we trade Dennis Schroeder for, um, you know, our, our, our next top notch, role player <laughs> yeah well to your point real quick uh our starting lineup with schroeder instead of jalen brown uh is minus 8.6 net rating uh so not good <laughs> if you <laughs> i just lost i don't know where it went but if you p- replace yeah if you p- replace al with grant williams it jumps up to 0.7 so it's not an amazing uh, lineup, but Grant makes it feasible, makes it feasible uh, just because his shooting's been so much better than Al. Uh, whereas with Rob and Al and Schroeder out there, there's just not enough shooting, man. They just cannot score. And yeah, it's been really negative, like negative 8.6 in 59 minutes. And 59 minutes is actually a lot for, um, it's the second most used lineup with Rob Williams in it, period. So uh, that that one's been pretty detrimental. So I don't know. Start Grant, man. Let's see what it Let's looks like, it. baby. Let's go. Let's see. <laughs> E-mate, we've got all the answers for you right here. You just got to yeah. listen. <laughs> we yeah, just, man. Come on the show. To... <laughs> you um, can yell at Jay too if you want. Right. Everyone gets a chance to yell at Celtics Jay because, yeah, that's just the way that it – listen. But again, if it's going to be the way that it is with, with Schroeder yelling at folks and then they just go God mode, I'm about it. Yell at me all go you nuts. need. That will be my new kink. I'm, I'm going to totally just buy into it. All the – I want all I want all that stock. Dennis, once you start that OnlyFans where you're just yelling at folks, I'm I'm gonna be the first one to sign up. I'll tell you right now. This is this is gotten completely off the rails. Okay. So anyway. So, you know, we're 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 twenty plus games into the season. We're we're not quite maybe playing at the the level that we hoped at the beginning of the year, but I think we're also taking into account that realistically given all of the new personnel especially with the coaching uh the challenges we've had so far early on with with injuries things could be a lot worse right now we could we could have a lot less going for us and to have a team at this point with a demonstrably elite defense yeah you can work with that you know you can work with that if 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 we were at the same you know point with the same record but the defense was you know 20th or, or worse, 
I feel a lot worse, right? Because like, you don't feel like you can really grow from there because you're, you're still, you're, you're struggling to stop folks, but that's not where our struggles are right now. Our biggest struggle is just matching folks scoring production wise. And it's, it's the shooting from the outside. It's having that as a viable, consistent weapon. So if they can sort that mess out, I, I think we've got a chance to make some, some pretty decent noise late into the season and, and going into the postseason. I mean, I'm not, I'm not scared of Chicago. I'm not, no, I'm not scared not. of Washington. I'm just not Brooklyn. Nope. You know, it's, It'll be yeah. interesting to see what, what Brooklyn <laughs> is at the end of the season. You know, that's true. It's yeah. good, you know, and what moves they might have to make with with everything going on. I mean, you know, how long are they going to keep Kyrie on that bench and just you know sit there not playing? Milwaukee, obviously, you know, you got to respect the the reigning champs. They're going to be a tough beat this year. They've got a good squad. They don't seem to be missing too many steps, and Giannis isn't getting worse, so it's going to be a problem. You know. Other than that, dude, I think we can go to toe to toe with anybody except if Brooklyn's locked in and playing good and Milwaukee's locked in and playing good. Those are the only two teams that really scare me in the playoffs. Yep. Like, obviously, Miami would be a bloodbath, be a tough series, but I would be really, I think we're huge underdogs against Brooklyn and Milwaukee. But otherwise, I think we can beat anybody in the East. And yeah, to your point, where they're playing defense. Once the shots are falling, man, I think we're going to be a really tough team to beat. Well, here's hoping that all that all those good vibes resonate into into more wins and success for these guys. Uh, that's gonna that's gonna wrap us up for for this episode here. Want to thank everybody for taking some time out of the day to follow up with us after this weekend here. Hope everyone starts off their their week moving forward here well. Uh, Spoons, thank you so much for for being on and having a chat with me here. Let the the folks know where they can find you on social media and all that because I know you're you're working out there. Yeah, thanks, Jay. It's a pleasure as always, buddy. You can find me at W Spoonie on Twitter, and then my medium is just Wayne Spoonie. Uh, so all my everything I write goes up on the medium. I also post it to the subreddit, and you can find it on my Twitter. If you really want like everything that I'm doing, you should just follow me on Twitter. I'm constantly posting videos, uh, stat, random stats I find, you know. What I, I would say hilarious commentary, of course. <laughs> and and just uh, just in case anyone's unsure, I did find out firsthand that when he says follow him on Twitter, he certainly does not mean follow him in person. Um, he will file a restraining order regardless sure. of whether you work together on a podcast. So just <laughs> so that other fans of your work know, don't take it a step too far. It's 25 feet, Jay. Usually they're 100. So how's being nice? <laughs> All right. You can also continue to check out us at the Celtics Reddit podcast on YouTube at our channel there, as well as uh, picking up the podcast wherever you're getting your podcast. And you can always find us interacting and, and sharing and participating in conversations on the Celtics subreddit. Again, on behalf of everybody here at the Celtics Reddit podcast team, thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you guys later. Peace.